HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Myriad Restaurant Group. For more information, visit myriadrestaurantgroup.com. I'm Greg Bresnitz. And I'm Darren Bresnitz. We're the host of Snacky Tunes. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to Feast Your Ears. I'm Harry Rosenblum from the Brooklyn Kitchen, a cooking store located at 100 Frost Street in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Join me every Wednesday as I talk with people about what they do and how it influences their personal food stories. This is a show about people, life, and food. Please take a moment to like the show on iTunes and Stitcher and anywhere else you happen to be listening and reach out to me. Feel free if you have any questions. You can reach me via email harry at thebrooklynkitchen.com, or if you have any ideas for guests. Um, I'm actively looking for an astronaut. I want to interview an astronaut on the show, so if anybody knows an astronaut, uh, current or former or future, uh, would love to interview an astronaut on the show. Anyway, um, today is episode number 52 of Feast Your Ears, and I'm very pleased to have with me in the studio Laura O'Neill of Van Leeuwen Artisan Ice Cream, uh, Indonesian restaurant Salamat Pagi in Greenpoint, and also one half of the musical duo Laura and Greg. Thanks, Laura, for joining me. Hi. Good to be here. Um, so, Laura, can you just introduce yourself um, when you meet someone and they say, you know, if, if they don't recognize you from the cover of Dairy Foods magazine, <laughs> which you were recently featured on, um, uh-huh. what, do you, what do you say you do? Because you do a lot of different stuff. Uh-huh. Um, I guess, like, the first thing I say is that I run an ice cream company. Um, and um, I don't like to assume that people necessarily know of Van Leeuwen already, um, but they often do. That's very do. smart, actually. Yeah. Um, sometimes I'll be like, oh, you know, it's Van Leeuwen, and they'll, they'll be like, what? Come on. And then other times they don't know it, and I'm like, huh, like, yeah. have they I've been living under a rock? Yeah. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so I guess, yeah, my, my number one thing is Van Leeuwen ice cream, so... Yeah, I'm an ice cream lady. Awesome. <laughs> um, and so uh, for those that, that do know Van Leeuwen, I hope you've tasted it and, and love it. We love it uh, very much at the Brooklyn Kitchen. And um, for those of you that haven't, what is special about Van Leeuwen ice cream? Uh-huh. Um, so we, uh, myself and my two partners, Ben and Pete Van Leeuwen, started Van Leeuwen back in 2008 um, out of a truck. Um, and the driving force for us was to create really pure ice cream, just using a handful of ingredients. Um, 
we um, saw that there was a big gap in the market for good ice cream out of trucks um, and started seeing the kind of things that were going into ice cream and we were like, what happens if we make really pure ice cream the way you would make it at home but do it on a larger scale and um, find the best fruits and nuts and, um, and chocolate, etc. Yeah, um, I mean, that, your, your ice cream is so rich. Yeah. Um, and I assume that that has to do with the fat content and also with the egg yolk content. Definitely, yeah. yeah. So we don't use um, stabilizers, which is really common in ice cream making. Um, so we use a lot of heavy cream. We use a lot of egg yolks. Um, so it's definitely real ice cream. It's not low fat in any capacity. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, about four years ago, we started doing vegan ice cream as well, which has been um, very successful. And we're really proud of that product as well. Which I will say as someone who always, whenever I see like the word vegan and blazing, on things mm -hmm. I, it often feels like a marketing ploy right. um you know or things that are like where beef jerky says gluten-free i'm like well yeah of course it's gluten-free it's right <laughs> um you know and and i you know i sort of i always have that gut reaction to it um but i will say that your vegan ice cream i think is possibly more delicious than your regular ice cream yeah i think uh, i would really, have to really agree good. yeah and that was the thing with the vegan is we didn't want to bring something um to the line that was not as good as the classic right um so it was really important um to to make it awesome and um Ben did a really awesome job at developing that. And what do you use for a base for the vegan? So we're using um, cocoa butter, so the fat from chocolate, cashews. We make our own cashew milk um, and then coconut as well. Um, and the reason that we um, do cashew as well is because coconut has a really strong flavor. Right. So it does make awesome ice cream, but it um, doesn't lend itself well to every flavor. Right. Um, but, yeah, we kind of just, like, sat back and we were like, where do these fats exist naturally in nature? Um, and how can we make awesome ice cream without it being just, like, soy or almond milk with, like, a ton of gums and fillers to make it pretend to be ice cream? Right. Yeah, yeah I mean, I think that that, that is the, the sort of key thing about it is that we see, I mean, I, I lived with a bunch of vegans when I was in college. I mm -hmm. wasn't vegan, but I cooked a lot of vegan food, uh -huh. and there was always this sort of, you know, there was always a need for a meat replacement. Yeah. And I really don't like that stuff. I feel like, right. you know, like vegetables are awesome. There's delicious vegetables and fruits out there mm -hmm. that should be celebrated. So the idea of using gums and fillers and sort of, you know, stabilizers in order to make it feel like real ice cream, yeah. like just make a really delicious vegan ice. I don't know. You don't call it ice cream, right? What do you, is it? I mean, we, we just call it ice cream, yeah. but um, <laughs> technically we have to call it non-dairy frozen dessert. Got it. Which doesn't sound as delicious, <laughs> no, it but. At all. but it is really delicious. So everybody should definitely should seek mm -hmm. it out. Um, so you guys started as one truck, right? Mm -hmm. And now how many trucks do you have? Now we have six trucks. Okay. Um, so we have four still here in New York city and then we have two out in LA. So Pete Van Leeuwen moved out to LA about three years ago and um, took two trucks. Cool. And are you guys going to grow that and then move to the middle of the country? Are you going to like take over from the coast? Uh, yeah, we're sort of trying to figure that out. Um, it took us, you know, sort of seven years to get anywhere else outside of um, New York. That's just... a big, it's a big leap. I mean, you had to send one of the founders there. To exactly. It, so. And you know, we're not a huge company. Um, and so so it really does take one of us being there to make sure that it's done right. Um, and, you know, lucky for us, being in California suits Pete. So he's right. happy out there now. He's like, he's like, I'll try it. And now I think he's like, I'm never coming back. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, so we did, we started with trucks and then simultaneously, um, people in LA or developers, I suppose, um, were approaching us, um, to open in new developments, um, because they knew the ice cream from New York city. So that was kind of cool. They 
they were like, oh, we, we love your ice cream. And we're like, oh, we're already here, like right. testing the market with the trucks. <laughs> right. So now we have two trucks out there and we just opened our third store in Franklin Village. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so as far as the trucks go, I mean, when you guys got into the got into the truck game, I mean, I've always felt from the outside, and I did a little bit of research before the show, uh-huh. um, you know, that the ice cream truck thing always seemed really like sort of mafia, right? Like sort of like right. mobbed up in a way that there was like turf, and I mean, you know, they the same thing I'm sure is true of like the coffee carts and the halal carts and mm-hmm. in Midtown and stuff. Did you guys catch any flack for being like an upstart when you brought a new truck to them? streets yeah we did i mean i think we were we were very innocent and like maybe a little naive when we started um and we people had told like i remember someone telling me they were like oh be careful like someone's gonna set your truck on fire um which never happened thankfully (laughs) but um we did uh we did like have some trouble when we would go into midtown um because those routes which i mean they shouldn't be owned but they kind of are in an unofficial way um so our whole thing was just like let's pioneer our own locations um and we really wanted to not be like kind of moving around and ringing the bell and playing music we wanted to be the whole concept was that we could have these trucks which are great for serving ice cream but it's also like virtually rent free and you're down in like soho or you're in williamsburg um so yeah we luckily we haven't had too much trouble with um dealing with mafia <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I found some articles from earlier this year about a big sort of i guess turf war between mr softy and master softy oh yeah uh-huh. and there was a quote from i guess the guys in master softy who sort mm-hmm. of feel like they own midtown mm-hmm. that if anybody like that no other ice cream trucks are allowed between 34th and 60th street from right. river to river like that's their yeah. turf yeah that's that's like a very serious like that's way. a that's a real thing we haven't yeah no one's like hurt us over it, but we sure. don't go there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so where, I mean, where can people find your trucks normally? Like, yeah. do, you have, or do you have like a rough schedule of where the trucks go? Um, we do. So we're in Soho um, every day during the season, which is um, like May through Halloween. Um, we park by the Apple store, um, Prince and Green. And then um, Williamsburg is one of our best spots as well. So, um, which is interesting because when we first started going there, it wasn't, I mean, we've all seen the neighborhood change, but sure. it wasn't, I remember the first year trying out Bedford and North 7th and it wasn't great. And then huh. we went back again, like I think the following year and then it became like one of our best locations. Cool. We've also been coming to um, Bushwick, which is really cool because I feel like four or five years ago, we would have made $5 here and right. now we can actually do like a good trade. Nice. Um, so that's cool as well. And so you, you mentioned the season ending. Mm-hmm. Just- couple days ago yeah and what happened you know and so in the winter you guys obviously have your brick and mortar scoop shops mm-hmm. those are open year round yeah um and then do the trucks are the trucks just sort of dormant in the um, winter and yeah, do you, do you send much. them west to the to california we don't i mean it would just be too much it would cost yeah. too much to bother doing that sure. um but we have um so the california trucks are year round obviously um and then the new york trucks we still do private events like the film oh, right. sets sure. um will often rent us to come out and do like hot chocolate and um and ice cream we used to do coffee on the trucks um but when the, the snow comes no one really wants to be standing at, at a truck getting coffee. coffee they're just going to go inside somewhere yeah. so um we just yeah figured that we would focus on the stores and the trucks in summer got it um i i spoke with uh, a friend who is australian you're from mm-hmm. australia yeah. um and i learned about gay time ice cream oh yeah the golden gay time yeah, which, uh, <laughs> just which, another yeah. inappropriate australian thing <laughs> <laughs> which I, I mean i have to sort of tell everybody uh, maybe we can put up a photo the photo of one of their ads on the on the show page uh-huh. uh, after when the show is online but um one of their catchphrases is it's hard to have a gay time by yourself <laughs> oh my god 
which I forgot about that, <laughs> which I just thought was was pretty awesome. Um, uh-huh. Were you inspired by gay by time gay ice cream? Time? Uh, maybe subconsciously. I actually, I did. It's funny that you mention it because I saw something that resembled a gay time in the freezer at the grocery store the other day. It was like a good humor, something yeah. or other. But um, yeah, I don't know about gay time. I think. I don't know. I think I like the only ice cream I really ate growing up was like the Dixie cups, like the sure. little like vanilla cups, and you would put the chocolate syrup on top. Oh, the ones that come with a little wooden spoon. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I have really good memories of those. Yeah, my dad actually was um, visiting recently, and he was we were talking about like wondering if Dixie was like a copyrighted name because he's like maybe mm. Van Loo and Dixies. Oh, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it is copyrighted. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. So now, you know, so people can find your ice cream in trucks and they can find it at your at your brick and mortar shops. Mm-hmm. And then how many flavors do you have packaged? Um, we have 26 now. 20, and those yeah. come in a standard standard ice cream pint. Right? Um, yeah, really those are, ounces it's a 14 most, ounce. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Even though we all call it a pint. Right. Yeah. <laughs> sort of industry standard. We actually just, yeah, it's, um, it's now a 14 ounce, yeah. like Hack and does, et cetera. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, just so consumers are aware that that is, you know, we all call it a pint, but at some yeah. point, haagen or someone else figured out that they could make it 14 ounces right. and they could save those two ounces and put it in the next one mm-hmm. and make more money. Right? I mean, we don't, yeah, we don't go on the record <laughs> calling it a pint of course. anymore, but yes. yeah. But in, but in retail, we all do. Yeah, right? We say, you know, we need to restock the pints. Right. Even though they're not mm-hmm. actually pints. Yeah. Uh, in Australia, we might say pun it. Oh. Yeah. That's just a different way of saying it. <laughs> I don't know pint. what it is, but that's, <laughs> yeah, punnet of ice cream. Um, speaking of the Dixie Cup, so do you have other other shelf-stable, or not shelf-stable, but do you have other retail package products in the works for Venmo? Um, yeah, we have. Um, we definitely want to do a novelty size, and then um, we are thinking a lot about novelty items as well. Sure. Um, so we have a new factory. We moved our production recently from 800 square feet to 5,000 square feet. Wow, that's a big um, jump. Yeah, so there was until nine months ago, we were making 100% of Van Leeuwen ice cream in an 800-square-foot space. And and for some context, like how much in the height of summer, how much ice cream was that? I mean, I don't even know. In Ga- like That's like all the trucks, all the stores, I mean, gosh, the LA, mil- the all the milk must pints. have just been coming in all the time, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, we we move everything really fast, so storage is not such an issue. Um, but we it's mind-boggling to think about what we were doing in that tiny yeah. space behind Selamat. Yeah. And so that that's a good segue into talking mm-hmm. about Selamat Pagi is an Indonesian restaurant. Uh, yeah, Indonesian. Indonesian inspired. Yeah, that you guys opened. When when did you open it? Um, we just celebrated four years, four years. last week. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that move, that's in Greenpoint. It's on Driggs Avenue. Um, and that part of that, as I understand it, was because it had a kitchen in the back that you could use for ice cream production. Yeah, right? exactly. And so that was so that's where that production was taking place. Um, and then you had this space in the front mm-hmm. to do something with. And so why Indonesian inspired? Um, so Ben and I, when we, uh, we used to be a couple and we're not anymore, but when we, um, would go back to Australia to visit my parents, um, we would sometimes go to Bali, um, because uh-huh. it's, it's not super cheap to fly there, but once you get there, it's very cheap. Um, and Australia is really expensive to travel around. Um, so it was always like a better option to go to Bali. Um, so Ben and I, yeah, we really fell in love with that food and that style of cooking. And, um, when we came back to Brooklyn, Ben was like scrambling eggs in coconut oil and like playing around with turmeric root. And we were, um, once we took over, um, so we found an old restaurant um, that had the kitchen and we knew we could make the ice cream there and have an office. And then um, when we had that storefront vacant, we were like, well, we don't want to do a Van Leeuwen right here because it's really close to um, Manhattan Ave. Right. Um, So let's do an Indonesian restaurant and see if people love it as much as we do. And they do. Um, yeah. So right. it seemed like a, a real departure from what we were doing, but the kind of like ideals behind 
the philosophy of you know the ingredients and the cooking is really similar to Van Leeuwen. Yeah. And you guys recently expanded, right? We did, yeah. We doubled so with in the size. move of the ice cream production out of that space, you were able to open up the restaurant a little more? Yeah, exactly. Because Solomon was a really, it's a very small restaurant and um, we just figured if we can see more people all at once, then that's, that's a better thing than having people wait 45 minutes to sit down. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to take a short break and hear from one of our sponsors. Um, when we come back, um, I want to talk about your music career um, and also about No Lights, No Lycra. And this one's called Young Blood by the Hollows. We'll be right back. We're proud to count the Myriad Restaurant Group as a business member of the Heritage Radio Network. Created by renowned restaurateur Drew Nieperent, Myriad consists of a diverse roster of restaurants, each one unique and memorable. Delicious food, excellent service, and genuine value are at the core of Myriad's storied history. Tribeca Grill, celebrating its 25th anniversary, helped define the Tribeca neighborhood and is the perennial winner of the Wine Spectator's Grand Award. Nobu New York has innovated new-style Japanese cuisine for over 20 years, now joined by Nobu Next Door and Nobu 57, cooking Nobu's revered signature dishes. Batard, serving modern European cuisine, was named the Best New Restaurant of 2014 by Pete Wells in the New York Times and Best New Restaurant in America for 2015 by the James Beard Foundation, as well as earning a Michelin star. Myriad also serves up great ballpark dining at the Acela Club at City Field and tasty burgers at the Daily Burger at Madison Square Garden. The common thread is to be a good citizen in the communities they serve through the support of numerous charitable organizations. For more information, visit myriadrestaurantgroup.com. Welcome back. Feast Your Ears. I'm Harry Rosenblum, and in the studio, if you're just joining us, I have Laura O'Neill of Van Leeuwen Artisan Ice Cream, and also uh, co-owner of the Indonesian restaurant Salamat Pagi in Greenpoint, and one half of the musical duo, Laura and Greg, and that's actually what I want to sort of move on to now. So, um, as if you weren't busy enough running an ice cream company with trucks and stores in both New York and L.A., and running a restaurant, you also find time to be a musician. So, tell me a little bit about about the duo? Um, sure. So, um, yeah, Laura and Greg actually kind of came about because of our vegan ice cream. Oh, nice. um, yeah, I was, uh, I met Greg um, at the Manhattan Inn, which um, we used to have a store connected to, to that bar in Greenpoint. Um, and we had just started making vegan ice cream, um, and Greg is vegan. And um, when I learned that he was vegan, I was like, oh, you you got to come next door and try this chocolate ice cream we've been making. Um, and then it was uh, over that scoop that we got to talking about music and kind of joked about starting a band. Um, I've always sung, but I've never done anything properly with music until now or the last couple of years. Um, and yeah, so we, we joked about starting a band and then actually followed through with getting together for, um, practice and, um, yeah, realized there was something like good there between us and, uh, Laura and Greg was born. Awesome. And you guys have, you guys have a full length album out, Mm -hmm. right? And then an EP that's coming, 
Uh, yeah, we actually have um, we have one full length out for, for sure, and then the EP is already out, oh, but cool. just digitally. Great. Um, and then we we're going to start recording um, our next record um, in the next few weeks. Nice. Yeah. Um, everybody can check that out at Laura and Greg Music, all written out, dot com. Um, mm-hmm. And you can listen to the EP on there. Um, yep, it's all on there. Yeah. yeah. Um, and tell me a little bit about No Lights, No Lycra, which is also somewhat music related. Um, sure. Uh, so No Lights, No Lycra is a dance jam in the dark that I host um, every Tuesday night in Greenpoint. It happens at the church on Russell Street, 129 Russell. Um, and No Lights, No Lycra is a concept that started in Melbourne, where I'm from, um, by my best friend Alice Glenn and Heidi Barrett. Um, and it was basically just created to be um, of like a free space for movement, um, somewhere you can kind of go and dance around and um, it's it's dark. It's not completely pitch black, but the lights are out. Um, so you don't have to worry about what you look like or how you're dancing or who's looking at you or who's there. Um, it's just like somewhere fun to go and dance. And that's actually now been happening in Brooklyn for over six years. Wow. Yeah. And so that's on crazy. Tuesdays? Yeah, every right? Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And anybody is welcome all ages? Um, yeah. I mean, if people bring really small children, they just have to make sure they take care of them, um, sure. kind of keep them close to them. But yeah. yeah, we've definitely, we've had a few kids come over the years. Cool. I mean, I'm just thinking that, you know, Moxie, who's seven. Yeah. Really, no, yeah, she'd really love it for sure. It a lot. Um, gosh, and what, you know, do you have anything else that I haven't mentioned that um, you do? I think that's it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot. Do you guys have any shows coming up? Um, we, we're going to be playing a so far sound show. Do you know about those? No. Um, they, it's an organization that, um, does like secret shows. So you can sign up on their website and you'll, um, you'll end up seeing three bands stripped back in a space that you won't find out the address of until the day. Hmm. Um, so we have one of those coming up later this month. Um, so if people were interested, they have to go to. Yeah, actually, um, so it's sofarsounds.org, I believe. And then um, I think we're going to be running a competition on our Twitter to give away tickets to that. Um, But, yeah, at the moment we're going to be focusing on... um, on our recording so we don't have like a ton of stuff booked right now kind of got to bunker down and make the new record yeah and do you guys invite do you have other musicians who play with you when you do stuff in the studio um yeah sometimes it'll be other musicians or we'll just play all the parts um and then i think for this next when we start kind of playing the next record out we're probably going to get a drummer i think it would be nice to kind of be able to fully realize the sound live sure yeah, yeah it, it's good to have the you know it's good to have the, the time being kept. Yeah, right, sometimes totally. It is tricky though because we did choose the name Lauren Greg, so yeah, really <laughs> we have to find to someone it. called And. <laughs> <laughs> that I mean that shouldn't be that hard. I no, think, right? <laughs> this is Brooklyn, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, were there other band names in the running, or did you immediately know that you just wanted to be your names? Um, we didn't really. We didn't really, it wasn't a conscious decision. Like, we started playing open mics, and um, Greg would sign us up as Laura and Greg. Um, and then we started playing real shows really quickly. And I think it felt really silly to suddenly be like, oh, we're the Sparrows, yeah. Yeah. you know. Right. And everything, I mean, band names are really tricky. So, yeah. even though sometimes we're like, oh, it's just Laura and Greg, like, and it sounds kind of weird. I don't know. It's like, whatever, it's our names. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, uh, what brought you to the U.S. originally from Australia? Yeah, so I met... I'd actually never been to New York before I moved here. Um, wow. But I met... I'd been to um, America once when I was five, and I basically remember the teacup ride at Disneyland, and that's about <laughs> it. Um, so I... 
uh, I was visiting my brother in London in 2006, and I met Ben Van Leeuwen, um, and he was studying abroad. He was doing a semester there, and um, we started dating long distance, and he came and visited me in Australia, and um, I guess things hotted up, and he <laughs> I was, I was kind of ready for a change, and sure. he was graduating from college, and his brother Pete, um, our other bus business partner, was living in Brooklyn, and so he was like, I'm going to go move in with my brother in Brooklyn. Why don't you move to Brooklyn? And I was like, well, why don't I move to Brooklyn? Right. And sure. then, uh, yeah. And then sort of, um, a few months before I moved over, um, he called me and he was like, I have this idea. I think we should do ice cream trucks when you get here. And I was like, all right, let's do it. Wow. Um, so yeah, so we were, um, together for a few years, got married, um, still technically married, but haven't been together for about five years. <laughs> so we're just a weird modern family business yeah. now. Cool. Mm -hmm. Um, and with the, with, so you basically got here right into starting the ice cream company. Like yeah. It was like pretty much. I arrived, yeah, I arrived like May of 2007. Um, and we launched June of 2008. So a lot of that first year was the kind of legwork of getting the business started and developing oh. the recipes. Um, but we had, I had a lot of like kind of odd jobs. Um, I wasn't really technically supposed to be working. So I was sometimes getting paid in Ben's name and I had like a little notebook that I called the Ben bank. And I'd be like, all right, you have like 200 of my dollars and I need 50 of them. Um, so yeah, I worked at like an art gallery and a record label and we were like secret shoppers for a vodka company oh, wow. and just like whatever we kind of, yeah. Ben worked at Dressler um, sure. and yeah, just paying the, the bills. It wasn't as expensive back then though. I think Ben and I like, yeah, we split a room for like 500 bucks or something. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, you know, I, it's, uh, I feel like that kind of like looking backwards at New York is always really hard. I heard an interview some years ago, um, with a poet, uh, Gerard Malanga, who had moved to New York, I think from Ohio, if I have the story right, to be an assistant to Warhol. Mm, wow. Like in the sixties. Yeah. And was talking about how you could live in New York for nothing. Yeah. Literally nothing. Like he would babysit for people's kids a couple nights a week uh -huh. and that was it like that was all the money that he needed because he got a room for nothing in yeah. or the village or whatever man and like that stuff's just not really possible even you know <clears throat> accounting for inflation and stuff it's still not even yeah. possible i feel like oasis falafel can keep you alive sure <laughs> it's like three bucks you yeah, can live yeah, on yeah. that for a while yeah. <laughs> taylor my wife always always said that the her sort of like economic like you know the her her like economic basis for for judging a place was always how many packs of instant ramen you can buy for a dollar uh-huh oh wow and like that always has to you know, there's like there's an economy reference yeah there and, and what that costs yeah the ramen index mm-hmm totally it's funny though because i feel like i mean you probably feel this as well but we've been so busy like with our heads down with our businesses for the last decade and like i feel like i've just kind of emerged now and i'm like what happened yeah like for sure i mean yeah. looking at where you're you know i guess it's your flagship store in williamsburg yeah now mm -hmm. um over on the north side I, you know i walked past that spot recently and it's just not what yeah you, like that whole neighborhood is not what no way like yeah at all. It's mm -hmm. really amazing. I was at the, the William Vale. I'm going to have a pen. I'm holding a pen that I got from the William Vale oh, Hotel nice. the other uh -huh. day. And, you know, to me, it's it's fascinating to see that kind of thing and that progression happen. Being there and on, they have, they have this sort of second floor, like, park mm -hmm. there that has a beautiful view of Manhattan for now. It won't once the next building is built that's right. between White and Kent. But actually... Um my parents stayed there for a couple of nights while they were here, and they learned that um, the William Vale, I don't I think this is true, have actually bought that lot in front of them, and they have no plans to build 
more than eight story or more than the park level so that that is the only hotel that is never going to lose its view oh interesting unless they somehow develop right down on the water right, right, I, don't right. Know no, I don't think they can develop yeah right but i think maybe the wyth hotel is potentially going to lose its view oh interesting I sure know. yeah I mean, right there's that other building that's right next yeah. to the wyth there mm-hmm. huh so the thing that I was thinking about in walking around the sort of William Vale and the, that sort of lot there that they've created mm-hmm. is that it's one of the first spaces in Williamsburg and really in, in Brooklyn that comes to mind that's so engineered to make it so different from what was there before. Yeah. Like walking on in their courtyard, you like realize that there's stuff underneath it that's mm-hmm. not just dirt. Right. right. Like it's this engineered environment and being on that park on the second second story there that's over a retail space mm-hmm. is very you know it's it's reminiscent to me of places in manhattan or places in tokyo and you know sort of this type of development that i don't think we've really seen mm-hmm. yet yeah definitely in williamsburg and greenpoint yeah i mean we certainly were like if we don't get into williamsburg now we will never be able to right and it's like our home ground you know yeah so that's crazy yeah but totally so um I wanted to I wanted to find out in the in the questions that I sent you before the show you said your favorite place to sit was your parents good room. Yeah. What is that? Uh, do you have that like do your parents are they like oh that's the good room. No. Like, it's like the the nice room in the house that you don't really sit in and Oh for for when guests come over. Yeah, I guess I mean it, it's not I don't I don't come from like a very fancy family or sure. it's just like that is like the one sitting room that when we don't use every day. Right, know? right, right. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just, it's a really nice room. It has like light from three directions, which is always great for the soul. And um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I just, when I'm home in Melbourne, I always find myself kind of sitting there and talking on the phone to friends or yeah. whatever. Do you get back to Australia dog. often? Um, yeah, I try and go back um, for Christmas every year. Um, and um, yeah, my my parents come and visit every couple of years or so. So I don't feel like I'm ever sort of too far from home. What's the first thing that you eat when you get off the plane in Melbourne? Um, <clears throat> probably, I probably make like an avocado bread roll at home with like salt and lemon. Yeah. My mom always has like really nice fresh bread in the house. And nice. Yeah. I was talking with, a, with the, the, same, uh, the same Australian friend who told me about gay time ice cream. Uh-huh. Um, we, we were having a discussion the other day about avocado toast. Right. <laughs> and about how it's actually really an Australian I creation, don't, potentially. Yeah, I don't know if that's true. I, um, did, I did. The internet says that it was first on a menu. Actually, I think in Melbourne. Right. Well, maybe it was in Sydney. I don't remember. But somewhere in Australia was the first time it appeared on a menu. We were like the first ones to be happy to pay $15 I for something so. that's worth yeah. like $2. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I definitely, it's on, it's on every cafe menu in, in Australia for sure. Yeah. Um, and I see it a lot around here. But I don't know. I think people, I mean, there's lots of nice avocados in California. So yeah. I'm sure people have been doing it at home, but it just hasn't yeah. been such a trend until Although now. avocados have gotten really expensive in the past few weeks because the season in California is over. Right. And the Mexican growers are all on strike. Oh, is that what it is? That's why they're expensive. Right oh, now. The growers and the transport, they're all on strike for better wages. Yeah, man. I was trying to buy one off the deli guy the other day, like, because you know how they have the ones for their sandwiches? Yep. And I was like, do you have any? And they're like, and I'm like, can I buy that one? And he was like, no. And I'm like, there's no price for that one. <laughs> like, I was like trying to make a salad and I needed one ripe avocado. Yeah, yeah. And it was either like terribly overripe ones or rock hard ones yeah. at all the other delis. <laughs> he wouldn't sell it, though. There was wow. no price for that. Yeah. Man, I wonder how much that sandwich cost. I don't know. Yeah, right. maybe I should have just just got an avocado, got avocado sandwich, sandwich and then sandwich scraped it. it into my salad. 
you could have just asked for an avocado sandwich to hold the hold the bread. Yeah, right? leave the skin on, please. Yeah. Don't cut it. <laughs> um, so we have this big election coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, those of you listening probably have heard about it. Um, it's next week. It's, I'm so I can't wait for it to be over. Um, you know, as a, we were talking a little bit before the show um, about both of us owning businesses and sort of whether or not you sort of like, do you wear your political connections or your political mm-hmm. preferences sort of on your sleeve or in the windows of your business? Right. Um, do you guys at Van Leeuwen? Um, not so much like within the stores, although I did my um, East Village team have a tip jar at the moment that says um, tip me or I'll vote for Trump. Um, which I was that's like, normally I'd be like, that's unacceptable guys. Yeah. But I was like, all right, like, that's fine. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's kind of tricky. I mean, I, I was definitely sporting a Bernie t-shirt sure. a few months ago and, um, I became an American last year, so I get to vote, nice. which is exciting. Great. Um, but yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of tricky. I mean, we don't want to alienate anybody, but, right. um, at the same time, obviously it's like a scary and very important time for sure. America. Um, I mean, we, you know, I mean, we were, we were talking about how as business owners, we feel like we do good things, right? We, Mm -hmm. we employ people who we pay a living wage to, and we use our money responsibly and everybody's money is the same, right? right? Everybody's giving us us dollars, whether they're a Trump supporter or a Bernie supporter or a Hillary supporter or, you know, a Zephyr teach out supporter, like it doesn't matter. Um, and so, you know, on the one hand, not sort of saying who you are going to vote for or who you're supporting as a business means that you're not alienating anybody. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, it's definitely hard because I feel like we're in a position where we are constantly feeling like we need to sort of say who we're for right? in one way or another. And it, it's gotten, for me, it's gotten worse. I don't know how you feel as an outsider who's moved to this country and sort of looking at it, but I feel like in my lifetime, this election is way it's it's way more polarized mm-hmm. than I feel like it's almost ever been. Yeah. Um, and, you know, part of that I attribute as kind of, I mean, it's, I attribute some of that to Trump, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, his rhetoric is coming from a place of, you know, of fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's coming from a place of putting people down. It's coming from a place of, you know, if you don't agree, then you're somehow like bad. Right. Like you're a bad person and you're yeah. wrong and there's something wrong with you. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I don't feel like that's been the same rhetoric in past elections. I don't, no. You know. I mean, I think like we've had decent people for the most part sure. as the candidates. And sure. I think like obviously that's what's different about this election. Yeah. Um, so it wouldn't really matter what Trump's policies were with the right. way he's like delivering things. Like it's just, there's no way you could give him your vote right. or I could give him my vote. Sure. And, and I mean, I, I, I will say the same thing. I mean, I'm, I'm not voting for him, yeah. um, you know, and then that gets into a question of like as business leaders, right? I mm-hmm. mean, we, we are the heads of our business, but I'm not going to tell my staff who to vote for. Right. Right. And so that becomes another question is like, if we were to put up a sign for Hillary in our business and yeah. our staff don't agree with it, then you're sort of, you know, you don't want to make your staff uncomfortable at work and, you know, they're welcome to vote for whomever they feel is the right candidate. Definitely. And yeah, I mean, I think with the tip jar, like they can have those signs up for their shift. And if someone's offended by that and wants to change sure. it for the next shift, they can do that. Yep. But totally. Yeah. Well, we're just about out of time. Um, but Laura, thank you. It's been, it's been really fun. Yeah, to, thanks so to much. Talk. Um, do you have anything, anything else you want to mention on the show? Either things that are going on with Van Leeuwen, um, things about Selma Poggy, things about Lauren Gregg, any, anything? Um, uh, not really. I mean, we have, um, I think I was telling you, like we have 26, um, flavors. So we've added a lot of new flavors to our 
non-pint line um, yeah. in the grocery stores, which has been really exciting. We have new packaging, really beautiful. Um, it is really beautiful. Thank you. Um, we worked with Pentagram, um, which is a design firm nice. on that. Yeah. They're, very, they're really awesome. Um, they gave us a very good deal, so cool. we're really grateful. Um, and, yeah, Salamat Puggies had a renovation, so um, definitely go check it out. There's pumpkin pancakes on the brunch menu. <laughs> and, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> awesome. Uh, well, thank you, everybody, for listening to Feast Your Ears. Uh, big thank you to Kristen Baylor, who's my producer here, and David Tattashore for engineering the show today. You can find Feast Your Ears as well as lots of other great shows at heritageradionetwork.org and on iTunes and Stitcher. And you can follow me on Instagram at the Foodballer, and you can follow Laura. Laura has a lot of social media handles. Um, at Laura, V-L-A-I-C, which I assume stands for Van Leeuwen Artisan Ice Cream. Yes, it's not my Slavic name. <laughs> um, or you can follow Van Leeuwen Ice Cream at Van Leeuwen Ice Cream. Uh, you can follow the restaurant at Selamat Pagi BK. And you can follow at Laura Greg Music uh, for information about the band. Talk to you next week. listening to heritage radio network food radio supported by you for our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events subscribe to our newsletter enter your email at the bottom of our website heritageradionetwork.org connect with us on facebook instagram and twitter at heritage underscore radio heritage radio network is a non-profit organization driving conversations to make the world a better fairer more delicious place and we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.